from the 1011 Now streaming studio in Lincoln, Nebraska. This is the End Report Husker Show. Well, good afternoon and welcome in everyone. Bill Rentschler alongside Sports Director Kevin Suits for another edition of the End Report Husker Show. In the 1011 Now streaming studio, uh, sports reporter Chase Madison will join us here uh, in just a second. But Kevin... How are we feeling? Week one, a full slate of college football is in the books. It was a lot, uh, but how are we feeling? It was kind of fun. Yeah. I'm also, like, if you look at the, the screen, for those who are on podcast form, I apologize. But if you're looking at the video, it's like I'm almost wearing the helmet yeah. where I'm positioned. So if I turn my head this way. You are in the yeah, Husker helmet. I, I have the Husker imagery directly above right my head. Right behind you. There we go. You Do look- I need to bring my helmet game face? Oh, you always have to have the helmet game face, especially when you're on the In Report Husker show. You have to do that. Okay, uh, but enough of the shenanigans. Uh, week one, there were some upsets. There was. College football. Yep. There were some teams that looked really good. Mm-hmm. And then there's just a mixed bag in there, too. There was. Did you watch the Wyoming game? I got to kind of see it unfold on Twitter as it happened. I was in bed by that point because that was, what, midnight? The game got done about 10 minutes till midnight yeah. and it was on cbs so uh your local cbs affiliate <laughs> we need to give a shout out to the 10 11 weekend crew yes that was working late night that was a very the sportscast uh, went on at about 12 15 a.m that was a late night uh for sam madison and chase kindle was working kindle was Chase working. got to enjoy some uh some saturday night well, uh, saturday night college football as well well there you go well we got to get chase in on this discussion we don't want him to miss out chase how was your first uh slate of uh husker football and uh college football for week one yeah um it was pretty cool to be able to watch the games on saturday and you know have that day off but um (laughs) a hectic week of college football especially starting on thursday night uh, with the huskers game against minnesota but i think um just across the board from you see the top 25 today not a ton of surprises um, but there's going to be upsets every single week and we just have to be prepared for that and colorado being one of those upsets Uh, 100 before we get to colorado quickly kevin you were in minneapolis kind of give us your forty thousand foot view you know is this the same old nebraska huskers of the last five years was kind of what was your take of of what, what what happened on thursday last week it's like the close losses or a close game that doesn't go in Nebraska's way, it's like it's in their DNA, mm-hmm. sadly. You can change everything inside the room, uh, but still the walls you know, aren't on the firmest of foundation. Mm-hmm. That's not to say I don't believe it's trending in the right direction, but man, what a gut punch of a way for the Matt Rule era to begin. And in a way, there are some flashbacks of the Mike Riley era, which started with a loss... BYU, Hail Mary Mary. to BYU, which in fact was on this very day. Wait, wait, I don't, I forget what year that was. Twenty fifteen. Yeah, eight years ago now. Yeah, so um, it was just. I I thought Nebraska played fairly well, Mm -hmm. but man, the mistakes in the final play. The game flipped so quick. So I guess my two big takeaways to share with you and our listeners and viewers, Bill, were one. Ah, just that stigma of the close losses. It, it just remains when you thought maybe it would go away. And two, Nebraska self-imploded. And the, the, the loss happened so quick. Because even after the fumble in, Mich- in Minnesota scores, you're thinking, well, this game's going to overtime. Mm-hmm. And then let's see what happens. For them to lose in regulation, that was a, like, it, it takes a special kind of, 
of unfortunate of set of circumstances yeah. to have that game end in regulation and end against Nebraska. Uh, the win probability at one point for Nebraska was ninety four percent. Yikes! Yes, yikes! But th- there was plenty of good. People are so quick to just react and think mm-hmm. that the 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 roof is falling in. I, this is one game, and. You never know. Minnesota might be the second, third best team in the Big Ten West. I don't think that they are, Mm -hmm. but you never know. So it's just really uh, unwise to try to make a snap decision about a 12-game season off of one game. Not to mention, how many people picked Nebraska to beat Minnesota? Very few. Not a ton. Very few. So if people are changing their overall outlook on the season based on, you know, a pretty tragic five-minute stretch, that, that's kind of bizarre to me. Because mm-hmm. if anything, you should say, listen, they almost won a game that was unanimously in favor of Minnesota. Yeah. And I told Chase when we talked Saturday night or Thursday night, you know, I, I felt like there was more of a game within the game. There was coaching that was happening during the game, which I feel like we maybe really haven't seen the last couple of years, adjustments actually being made, especially on third down. Again, they, you know, had four out of five or five out of six for their first, you know, a couple third downs, but then only two third down conversions in the second half. You know, the team adjusted. Yeah, Nebraska scores 10 points, and overall total offense was 295. Maybe that's a lower number than some people maybe envisioned, but again, the style of play. It shouldn't surprise anybody that Nebraska sat on the football, Mm -hmm. and I think that they will attempt to do that again this upcoming Saturday and the following week Mm -hmm. and the following week. You know, if you want to go fast and you want to play with great tempo, you have to have playmakers all over the field. Mm-hmm. And this coaching staff is preaching patience and talking about long term, you know, year three, year four. And so maybe they're going to wait to play with the greater tempo until they have more elite players on the field. I'm not saying that they don't have that right now, mm-hmm. but look at the wide receiver room in particular. Mm-hmm. You know, Billy Kemp did not have a catch on Thursday. Thomas Fedoni did not have a catch on Thursday. And now you lose Isaiah Garcia Castaneda due to an ACL injury, which will keep him out the remainder of the year. So your receiver room is fairly small. Some young guys are definitely going to get their opportunities Mm -hmm. to catch the football. Uh, Jalen Lloyd, Malachi Coleman are the first couple of names that come to mind. And Josh Fleeks is going to have to be a part of that discussion as well. Mm -hmm. He's a guy who played for Matt Rule many years ago when he was at Baylor. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting to watch uh, again all those things that kind of unfolded uh, against Minnesota. Chase, the one thing I thought was interesting again, we talked Thursday after the game, um, and the line for the Nebraska Colorado game at that point was still Nebraska favored, you know, by almost ten points. But then after the games on Saturday, I don't think I've ever seen a line move that fast where all of a sudden now the line is Colorado's favored by three and a half points. And again, immediately following all the, you know, Kevin talked about it, but the, the, the immediate reaction of, of Colorado going to TCU, winning against TCU in the fashion that they did, um, a lot of a lot of folks, a lot of fans, a lot of national media has kind of already written Nebraska out of this game. Was, you know, we kind of transitioned to talking about this upcoming weekend. Yeah, I think um, after Thursday night's loss, I think the line moved to almost minus one and a half for Nebraska. So still kind of being at edge. And you look at like that minus one and a half is more almost like a four point spread if because Colorado will be the home team. But mm-hmm. um, now you see it flip. And I think that line's going to continue to move just because the, the, the national presence, right? You have a Nebraska team play on Thursday, lose in front of a national audience, and then 
Um, again, on Fox on Saturday, you have Colorado beat the reigning national champion runner-up. So I think there's been just a lot of, I guess, spotlight. Um, and I think what we've heard, Kevin and I heard from Nebraska players today at the press conference was that, like, they really can't be looking at that spotlight just because Colorado is getting so much national media attention that it's just going to sway what the, the public thinks about this game and you know this is a Colorado team that already kind of had that limelight it's Deion Sanders his one of his sons that the son that's not on the team has a YouTube channel that puts out a ton of content running down this up and down the sidelines Kevin will probably see him on Saturday in Boulder with a phone right just taking a bunch of videos so they already have so much almost oversaturated media content and so to get that win on a national stage just sets up this game that all of the public might be taking the Buffaloes. Phil, not only did the line flip the way it did with Nebraska going from the favorite team to Colorado now being favored by three, three and a half, I read something this morning that there is more money currently placed on Colorado beating Nebraska and covering the spread than any NFL game in week one. Oh, my God. So there, there are a lot of people who have instantly become swept up in Colorado mania in Coach Prime. Can he coach? Obviously he can. Mm -hmm. And were they fun to watch? Very fun to watch. Oh, yeah. They have playmakers all over the field. But all these decisions are being made. This is not like a week four game mm -mm. where you have more of a body of, uh, body of work to examine for Colorado. Same for Nebraska. You know? So I think that a lot of this might be a little knee-jerk. But the national narrative, which you alluded to, it's as simple as this. Colorado's awesome. And Nebraska stinks. Yep. So the money goes directly toward Colorado. The Huskers, you know, they're talking about that in the locker room. Mm -hmm. You know, they're they're saying that the they're going to leave the football to be the football, mm -hmm. and they're not going to let the coach prime and the outside noise and all of the national media talking about Colorado, not to mention the rivalry aspect of this game, mm -hmm. affect what happens. They just want to try to stay disciplined. And I think Matt Rule has coached long enough and at a number of different levels that he could potentially find a way to scheme Nebraska to make this a competitive game. This game will not be in the 40s. No. No way. No. And also, how good is TCU? You look back last year, Northwestern beats Nebraska. I think everyone came away saying, oh, the Northwestern team looks like it'd be pretty good. And that was their only win the whole year. Not to say Colorado's only going to win one game this year. Well, but. Col Colorado shredded TCU. Yes. But I'm not convinced that that defense is that great. Mm. They lost a ton from their 2022 team that went to the national championship game. Mm -hmm. So, again, a lot of quick decisions and evaluations of one team are being made off of, you know, a lot of unknowns. And that has really added to the intrigue. So if you're a Nebraska fan or somebody who follows college football, like there is a lot to sink your teeth into with this game. And that's where Nebraska is just trying to stay a little bit insulated mm -hmm. and focus on, all right, what's our plan? What's our scheme? What's our personnel? And again, I, I think Nebraska's coaching staff is smart enough to maybe know how to make sure this game doesn't end up 45 to 42. Mm -hmm. you know, this is a game that might be, you know, let's say they have another four play touchdown drive, Colorado does. Mm -hmm. What if Nebraska sits on the ball and is able to string together an eight minute drive? I feel like they'll try and do their best Minnesota and PJ Fleck impression yeah. and just hold the ball. But no, does Nebraska have the pieces to do that? That puts a lot on the offensive line. Mm -hmm. That puts a lot on Gabe Irvin, Anthony Grant, Ramir Johnson, and Jeff Sims. As we've learned, 
Jeff Sims is going to be a very big part of this offense, especially running the football. Yeah, and again, you look at again, kind of looking at, at at what we saw from the offense in the Minnesota game. It got better as it went along. Again, first game, you know, Jeff Sims is brand new. First game as a quarter as a quarterback of the Huskers, you know, right out of the gate, you could tell he can run the ball. He can't run the ball twenty times probably against Colorado and, and, and in these games moving forward or else he's gonna, you know, get hurt again, gonna be an Adrian Martinez situation all over. Do you realize how many drives Nebraska had in the first half? Three. Three. Three drives. And the players have talked a lot this week about the rhythm of the game mm-hmm. and how offensively it was a little tough to get into yeah, a rhythm. the rhythm. Yeah. And I understand that because their first drive, they got the ball at the one-yard line. Yeah. So they're already backed up, and that affects your play calling. They really only had one drive in the first half where the play sheet was wide open, mm-hmm. and they could do whatever they want. And Nebraska's one touchdown drive came right after a very good kickoff return by Ramir Johnson. So even that was a little bit unconventional. Mm-hmm. That's a that's an offensive play caller's dream right there. Yeah. Is, oh, well, we only have to go 40, 40 50 yards. yards to find the end zone. And that gave Nebraska a lot of oomph. However, there was some unfortunate things that happened late in the game. That's where they started going in the wrong direction. They had a drive where Jeff Sims was sacked three times. And, of course, they had the interception at the very end of the game and then the fumble with about five minutes to go. Those were the two biggest plays. Yeah, and Chase, some, some, you know, those three sacks on that one drive, the Minnesota wasn't necessarily pressuring a lot. You know, that was kind of a three- or four-man rush, and they were kind of getting home. Yeah, well, we heard from Ethan Piper today, and the offensive line, like they need to make, they need to make some improvements protecting Jeff Sims, and I think it's also just kind of getting into figuring out just kind of how he plays. And going back to the whole rhythm of an offense, Piper had a good comment today, talking about just like we only had three drives in the first half, and he was kind of thinking that like, oh, Minnesota's probably beating us a ton in time of possession. But then you look at the full game sheet, and it's actually pretty close between Nebraska and Minnesota on how long each team had the ball. And I think that's a testament to Minnesota playing the type of football that they like to play. And so I think Nebraska is going to take a little bit of the script from last week and try to kind of play that kind of football against Colorado. But yeah, it starts up front with the offensive linemen and protecting Jeff Sims and getting drives that you aren't backed up because he can use his legs to an a- as an asset, but he also needs to be able to have time in the pocket to be able to see the field and make smarter throws. Um, I think I think holding on to the ball and the time of possession that the offense has is going to be is going to be very important this week, especially too because this is a Colorado team that we know can go very fast in the ball. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to watch all that defensively. Um, I thought the defense played great, Kevin. I mean, what, what were your kind of thoughts on, I mean, the Tony White's three three five. I thought, you know, everyone was running the ball. You could tell they'd hit in fall camp. They were hitting hard against Minnesota. And, you know, my, you know, again, rule said, and you said, defense is probably going to be ahead of the offense game one. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Now, that's pretty, uh, that, that's no big yeah. statement by yeah. me. I think anybody who watched the game would agree with that. Uh, I thought the defense played well. Mm-hmm. I thought the experience on the back end really showed itself. Omar Brown played well. Malcolm Hartsog gave up the touchdown, but overall, I thought he played really well. I think he could have a very special season. Mm-hmm. And having talked to Quentin Newsom today, like these defensive backs, they are really looking forward to this challenge against Colorado because they will throw the football. Mm-hmm. Shadur Sanders is a good quarterback. Yeah. He completed, everybody gets caught up in the fact that he threw for 510 yards against TCU. He completed 80% of his passes. 
they will throw it. They will have third and short, and they will throw it. So some of Nebraska's corners, who they're not rookies, mm. keep that in mind. A lot of experience that back they there. They have experience, and they want the opportunity to make plays. They want the opportunity to intercept the football. And that's a mind shift change that we've seen from this Nebraska football program. Maybe if you rewind three, four years ago, some of these guys might have felt a little bit different about an air raid attack. You think about Purdue. Mm -hmm. You think about when they played Ohio State, that maybe there was a little bit of a, a shaken confidence with mm -hmm. that unit. But right now, I get the sense that the defensive backfield, they are looking at this as a golden opportunity to maybe make some plays on the back end. And it could also make a statement for the team. I thought the defensive backfield played really well against Minnesota, and I thought Luke Reimer played really well as well. Mm -hmm. I think the pass rush was okay, needs to get a little, little bit better. Yeah. But again, it's really hard to evaluate the totality of a defense when you play a team like Minnesota, which operates slow. Mm -hmm. The one thing, the one criticism I, maybe ha I would maybe have about Nebraska's defense, third down defense. Mm -hmm. Look at how many times Minnesota converted on third down. They were so close and third to long getting too. off the field multiple times, especially mm -hmm. in the first half, um, but they were unable to. So that that's going to be big. That's going to be really big with this game. But I think the defense for Nebraska, it's got a lot of potential. It was interesting, too. Again, the very first drive, I think they, they rotated in 18 players on that first drive on the defense, which, again, going to Boulder, you're playing at altitude. You know, I'm sure that will be a factor. And, you know, the defense looked fresh, you know, fourth quarter. You know, Minnesota wants to wear them down fourth quarter. And, and again, I think they still look pretty fresh at the end of that game. Spe with. Yeah, specifically on the defensive line. Yeah. You know, we saw about everybody we thought we were going to see. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just Nash Hutmaker. And then well, Ty Robinson obviously was ejected for targeting. He's going to miss the first half of the Colorado game. So you got to see Cam Linhart get in there. Princewell got in there, made his Nebraska debut. Um, but even despite the rotation of guys up front, you didn't notice the EKG of the production of the defensive line. It seemed pretty steady, and that's an encouraging sign. It is. And Chase, one thing we talked about uh, again on Thursday after the game, one thing we really have no concerns about coming out of the Minnesota game was the special teams. Special teams played great. Tristan Alvano, again, freshman. He made his, made his extra point, made his one kick. Brian Buschini boomed you know, his punts. Kickoff coverage was great, and Ramir Johnson had that 63, 64-yard return to open the half. Yeah. Um... I thought the yeah special teams did what they needed to do, um, and you know Brian Buscini did have some good punts. Well, I'll be interesting to see what he could do in Colorado at the altitude. I think it's interesting that the depth chart adds Alvano to the kickoff specialist spot. I think maybe they're looking at his leg being more accurate for Colorado, and um, maybe that they want to play with some positioning and not just kick it into the end zone. They they've talked about wanting to run the ball out of the end zone. Maybe they want teams to also have to be forced to take a kickoff obviously you could fair catch it in college football and take it to the 25 from anywhere but um, that could prove to be a difference maker and we saw it with Ramir Johnson as Kevin mentioned earlier that being able to flip the field that's exactly why they're running kicks out um, but I, I don't think yeah that's a that's an area that Nebraska that's the one area I guess of this team that has the least amount of questions at least for me right now um, but the defense, the, I, I have some thoughts on on the defense in the in the secondary. I think you know, going to back to what Kevin was talking about, it doesn't really matter who lines up in front of you, whether it's Travis Hunter, whether it's Jimmy Horn Jr. or uh, Xavier Weaver for uh, Colorado, and they're going to have to just limit the deep balls, right? Because Minnesota averaged had their longest catch was 20 yards, 
for Colorado, they were going 20 yards chunk plays against TCU. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see, but I have more concerns about the defense than the special teams to answer your question. But will they be, will Colorado be as willing to take those deep shots against Nebraska as they did against TCU? Knowing well, Coach Prime and some of the swagger that he brings, I would say yes. Mm-hmm. But again, that's where, you know, I think Nebraska's defensive backs are pretty good at defending the long pass. Mm -hmm. They didn't get many opportunities against Minnesota, so I'm just going off of previous years. We've seen Newsom and Hartzog, you know, be able to get down the field and defend those balls, even Phelan Sanford. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think that Colorado might have to change a little bit too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and they're going to have to run the ball better. Um, Against TCU, they they had a few different breaks, but – they didn't really have success running the football. Um, and this is it where the front seven for Nebraska, the black shirts can really, uh, that, that can be the difference maker. If, they, if, if Colorado can't run the ball in, in short yard situations, then, you know, that's one area that Nebraska could take advantage of. Yeah. And so my IFB just died, so I can't hear Chase anymore, but <laughs> uh, I think that was one of the questions about Colorado in the preseason. You know, we kind of maybe knew about the skill players, but, how are the offensive and defensive lines going to look for them? And how will they look, you know, in, in more of a, you know, of a fight in the trenches? And I think Nebraska will be able to give them more of a fight in the trenches than TCU was. Absolutely. One thing we haven't touched on here in this discussion is what the atmosphere is going to be like Ugh. at Folsom Field. Everybody around Nebraska remembers the Big Red takeover in 2019 and all the images that uh, came out of that game. Man, that was just electric. It was so cool. Uh, some of the players on this team were a part of that. They didn't play. They were freshmen. Um, Quentin Newsom, you know, he was on special teams. Mm-hmm. Um, Ethan Piper was on that trip. They were a part of that. They remember that. And some of the in-state guys, they know the, the importance of Nebraska versus Colorado and the tradition and how they're going to be, you know, the folks that grew up watching Nebraska football and they followed this program in the Big 8 and the Big 12, this this is going to bring back some memories. And it they're going to get emotional with this, just seeing those two iconic helmets on the field at the same time. And, you know, tickets right now are going for about $400. <laughs> and it, that's not the Coach Prime effect. Let's, let's make that very clear. That's just the Nebraska-Colorado effect. That was just the, – the tickets were like this – when they went on sale back in the summer. This mm-hmm. wasn't, hey, all of a sudden, Colorado is ranked and now everybody wants to watch them. This sucker was sold out months ago. So um, th- it's gonna be a special scene at Folsom Field on Saturday and there are a number of Nebraska fans that I know that are gonna be making that trip. And Colorado's athletic director did not do himself any favors when he introduced Coach Prime and he said, no red, if you sell your tickets, we know where to find you. Mm. That was all like you don't dangle the meat in front of the big red hounds. No. Because they will take that every single time. They will pounce on it. Yes. And you know, you know, not to steal a phrase of Coach Prime, but Nebraska fans right now are saying We have the receipts. We coming. <laughs> and, because they yeah. are all coming. And I don't know what the proportion or percentage is going to be inside the stadium on Saturday. There's going to be a lot of red there. Yeah, absolutely there will be. All right, so to kind of wrap things up or get things uh, headed in that direction, uh, keys for the game. For Nebraska to walk away with a W, what, what, what's one or two things that need to happen? Let's let Chase lead this off, Chase. Yeah, yeah uh, keys to the game is obviously – slow down the receivers. Um, you look at Jimmy Horn Jr. and you look at Xavier Weaver. Then you also look at Travis Hunter. Um, so slow down the receivers and the chunk plays. 
that's one of my keys to the game. Another key to the game is going to be to hold on to the football and for decent periods of time. Um, if they can make this Colorado defense tired and slowed down, um, this is a this is a Colorado defense that was kind of on and off the field pretty quickly um, against TCU. But you know, it, on the other side of the ball, if their offense, if Nebraska's offense can stay on the field, right, it, it not only slows down and tires out Colorado's defense, but it, in turn, it also kind of slows down Colorado's offense, keeping the ball out of their hands and out of Shooter Sanders' hands. So um, my keys to the game is prevent the chunk plays from the receivers and the running back Dylan Edwards and um, hold on to the football, control the clock, play big 10 football in Colorado in Boulder on Saturday. Those are my two keys to the game. If they can do that, they can keep this competitive. Yeah. I'm going to steal one of those two. I say you, you just have to sustain drives mm -hmm. offensively. When Nebraska has the football, you have to eliminate three and outs because you don't want to give Colorado the ball time and time again. So mm. play a little keep away. Yeah. It might not be the most exciting football, but it gives you the best chance to win. So long sustained drives, which includes converting on third down. So that's my key number one for Nebraska. The second one is to stay focused. There are going to be a lot of shenanigans. Mm. I mean, that's just Colorado games in general. Period. Yeah. But now you add in the national media because it's the big noon kickoff and you get uh, Coach Prime, and you have so many national entities watching this game and wanting to see what game number two looks like for Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffaloes. They are they're a novelty right now when it comes to college football. So there is so much extra that's going to be happening with this game, not to mention Colorado fans. Uh, they are not the kindest of individuals. <laughs> so stay focused mm -hmm. and that's where i really like matt rule's message message to his team yeah keep the football football mm -hmm. just stay focused on the football and i think that's my second key for nebraska is to really they really have to be very aware of blocking everything out and just understand situations understand what the calls are understand what the personnel is and if you do that you can eliminate some of those extracurriculars because that that's that's going to be a pretty turned up environment on Saturday. It'll be uh, it'll be a noisy Folsom field, that's for sure. Again, Colorado coming in right now. I think the AP poll came out 22. 22, 25 in the coaches poll now. So again, top 25 matchup for Nebraska on the road. Again, kickoff at 11 a.m. Uh, Central. Uh, and it'll be televised nationally on Fox. Again, Kevin and Chase are going to have all the pregame coverage on 10-11, both on air and online. So look for that in the end report. Every day until Friday, 6 and 10. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we'll have everything covered. So anything else before we go? Kevin, I want to ask you again, what's your favorite moment in the Nebraska-Colorado rivalry, home or away? I know there's probably a lot My to choose from. My eyes just kind of bugged out. There's <laughs> – I don't know, Bill. I, 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 I was, how deep were I was going in the stadium for the 2009 the, – the kick and the pick – the Alex Henry 57-yarder oh, yeah. and Sue interception return. I didn't know you were saying it could be a game in Lincoln or, or yeah, either one. Just the rivalry. Well, then it's the Alex Henry kick because yeah. I still contend that that game is one of the my favorite games I've ever attended. Yeah, you know, in a working capacity or a fan capacity, yeah. that game was was awesome. Mm. It's it's in my top five without question. Um, yeah, that was pretty awesome. Was I, I will say this: every time I've been to Boulder, some of the video I get is pretty epic mm -hmm. 
and it's not all made for TV. If you're reading between the lines. Yes. And it's not even about the football. Mm-hmm. In fact, a lot, 2019, there were some students in the Colorado section who got in as soon as they could. They went sprinting down to the front row, and they were within earshot of Nebraska's quarterbacks and offensive linemen. And I heard every word in the book. Oh, gosh. Over and over and over and over and over <laughs> and over and over. And there were hand gestures, and it was just like, well, here you go. This is what a game in Colorado is. I bet they weren't thumbs up. They were not thumbs ups, and they weren't a lot of pleasant words. (laughs) Chase, uh, again, as as a Mizzou alum coming into this, again, do you have any memories, Colorado, Nebraska, again, Big 12 days at all? Um, Not too many. Uh, I remember seeing that matchup, but then that was also a different time, you know, before Mm -hmm. conference realignment and the world we're in today. But I think... You know, just even going back and looking at the last time Kevin was in Boulder and some of those archive footage, it's just kind of like, you know, it's an un, it's an, it's a setting unlike anything else. And I think even though it might be uh, a lot more you know, sea of red, Nebraska fans there, this is a uh, this is an environment that just brings all sorts of different factors and a rivalry that I'm glad is back for this year because um, I think it'll be a good test, and Matt Rule said it. This team's going to be better after these two road weeks and prepare them for the rest of the season. 100%. It is, it, it, it's weird not having a home game early in the year. Until mid-September. You know, this is just kind of abnormal, the fact that last year Nebraska starts in a different continent, mm-hmm. and this year they're starting with back-to-back road games, including a Thursday game. Whatever happened to playing, you know, Florida International in week one in Memorial Stadium on a 94-degree day. Yep. Uh, It's just kind of not the way it's been. Mm -mm. But I think Chase brought up a great point there that I think Matt Rule has a very good argument that Nebraska is definitely going to improve quite a bit uh, in these first couple of weeks, having played on the road and against the opponents that they are facing. Both Power 5 teams. Mm -hmm. Kevin, uh, you mentioned Florida International. If it was Florida Atlantic, it would be Casey Thompson. Casey Thompson. That's why I said Florida International. Who I think he threw five. <laughs> five I think he threw five touchdowns in, in their uh, opening week win. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see the the ping pong of Jeff Sims and Casey Thompson. Obviously, Thompson's not playing at the same level of competition, but mm-hmm. it's interesting they moved to Sims. And for those people that are going to go there, like, come on, this is a totally different offense. Oh, yeah. You know, there is no guarantees. Casey yeah. Thompson. And his skill set fits the offense that they're running right now. Not to say the coaching staff could have changed it. So uh, let's just all unite in wishing Casey Thompson well. Yeah. I hope he has a tremendous season. And yeah. I hope that Florida Atlantic uh, goes to a bowl game this year. You know, yeah. I, I wish Casey Thompson nothing but the best. He was, he was great in, in the press conference settings. I think all the fans that watched him, though he battled some injuries and he gave the Huskers his all while he was here. You can, so, you can you know, tell he you gave can, 130%. He, you, you can really like exhaust a lot of negative energy trying to compare mm-hmm. the quarterback that was and the quarterback that is. And I felt like unfairly that happened last year with Adrian Martinez and his success at Kansas State. So, you know, I'm not going to engage in those kinds of thoughts because they're, they're just not productive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not to get all like hooray yay people um Mm -hmm. here but like he played for nebraska wish him well yeah you know he didn't he didn't he's playing well he didn't leave here on bad terms same thing with like uh alante brown and you know some of the guys who did decide to hit the portal 
yeah, yeah, there's plenty of guys, and we wish them all the best. So, all right, well, we'll go ahead and we'll wrap it up. Chase, thanks so much uh, for jumping in there. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, again, Kevin, again, as always, thank you for all of your insight and all the coverage that you take care of. So, again, thanks, everyone, for uh, watching and for listening uh, in the 1011 Now streaming studio. Again, this has been the End Report Husker Show. Again, make sure to like and subscribe to the 1011 YouTube channel. Uh, and, again, as always, keep it tuned to 1011 both on air and online for all the latest news, weather, and sports. For Kevin Suits, Chase Madison, I'm Bill Rentschler. Thanks so much, for everyone, for watching. You've been listening to the End Report Husker Show from 1011. Watch, listen, and stream on the 1011 Now app on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch the End Report on 1011 Sports at 6 and 10 p.m. and download the 1011 Now app.